Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my Happy Hanukkah. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. When you look at that, isn't that glorious? It's, 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 it's indescribably beautiful. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Tis the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. You are listening to the 30-something movie podcast. It is, it's the holiday season. It's actually our last episode of the holiday season of December. And that also means it's our last episode of 1992. 1992, we hardly knew you. We had some good movies in 92, though. But I've got yeah, with me, I actually have the whole gang with me tonight. Dennis, Jeff, Pat, Bo, John, myself, we're all here. Hey, gents. Oh, Yo. hey, hey, I feel like we should play the boys are back in town. We could. Or I feel like with looking at the Zoom screen here, we could do the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Which look look, yeah. look to the left, look, to, look down. Okay. Before we get that, started, so option. we... All right. Before we get started, though, we uh, we have a very special shout out. We have one of our Patreon co-executive producers, Podrick, who lives in Ireland. He he graciously offered to to buy us a drink for the holidays. And with our schedules and everything else, we're not going to be able to do it before the holidays. We're planning on getting together after Christmas, probably the first week in January to do that together in person. However, we have all I think we all brought our, our special adult beverages with us tonight. So. We have our adult beverages with us this evening, so we're going to we're going to raise a holiday glass to Podrick. We're going to say, Podrick, this one is for you. This one is for 1992, and Merry Christmas, gents. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. There you go. <laughs> what is out of curiosity? What's everybody drinking? Vodka. Wow, he is going hard stuff. Good choice. <laughs> I've got some some Basil Hayden's bourbon whiskey over here. Mm. A, little red, a little cheap red wine. There you go. <laughs> there you go. What box did that come out of? Opposite, whatever the what's the brand? That brand. It's not a box. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that rich. <laughs> did you go with the uh, the Winking Owl? It's a two forty nine a bottle. No, the one for, what do you call it? A pop, the AP, a man, a pastic or something. What is it? It's oh, under yeah. the A. Well, or maybe it's under P. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I forgot the name of it. I just know it's the cheap brand. You can get it at, you can get it at Walmart. You can get it at oh, okay. Target. Target. You can get, get from a homeless guy outside. Apothic. I think it's Apothic. Apothic, yeah. Okay. It's in the kitchen. Hey, I can get it in I'm the just kitchen. Oh, you can go, no. you can go way cheaper than that, Dennis. Hey, this is like I know I, I know there's cheap. I know that there's cheap wines out there, but I mean, I've been like talking this, but there's some stuff out there. Like sometimes the cheap stuff is still good. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, like exactly. it's, uh, yeah. there's some there's some options out. Like you don't necessarily get better wine by paying and, hundreds of dollars. And honestly, are our palates really that sophisticated that we would know the difference between a lot of those? <laughs> Probably not. Apothic red. That's what I have. Apothic oh, there you go. Red. No, 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 Dennis. If you want to go see, sometimes sometimes we will pick up the the winking owl. From Aldi, and that is a uh, two dollars and forty nine cents a bottle. Wow, 
Is that literally two buck chuck? It is, and it it really. I'm not a wine drinker, but I, from the folks that have partaken of it, it's it's not too bad. So, yeah, the Apothic brand, like I came across that. I think it was Schrote from here few years ago like brought that one up and then we ended up somebody bought me it and then i was like oh this is actually pretty good and then yeah. i had a fancy i don't even know what whatever it was what your fancy one at some place and i was like i don't i don't taste the difference it the apothic red whatever bottle that i had there and, the, and then this is and then they taste the same yeah like i said i'm not a kind of sewer more just a sewer but mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but red wine is my probably my I'm I'm not a big drinker of uh, mm-hmm. alcohol, but I would go for a, a red wine with dinner. Okay. What's your, what's your type of red wine or just yes? All I know is there's red wine that that it's red and it comes in a bottle and it's, that's as far as I go on the expertise scale. <laughs> All right. I'm so just saying white wine I'm not a fan of. It started off when I was a kid. I used to get the sparkling Welch's grape juice of those and the red ones and i always mm-hmm. preferred the red and then i went to red wine and i was like oh red, red has a, a warrant especially during the winter red is like white wine might be like a summer thing red wine is like a, a winter thing it's got a warmness to it okay so that's, that's my winter. only expertise i have out there Any if you want to warm up in the winter you. grab yourself a bottle of port 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 mm-hmm. okay. like a like a, a brandy fortified with some wine Okay. It war- it'll warm you up real good. <laughs> real good. <laughs> I might have some over in my bar over there. I'll port, see. If not, not port wine, just actually called port. Portuguese fortified wine. Hold on. It's a sweet red wine, often served with desserts. Yeah. Jeff Jeff is saying literally hold his beer. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't right, want to I'm not drinking bottles, so I was just trying to remember what mine was. Yeah. I was like, I always want to call it. While uh, while Jeff has retired to go get the port, I am drinking a rusty nail, which is a it's one of my favorite drinks. It's a combination of scotch and scotch. <laughs> there. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, that's not the same. Yeah, where do you buy that thing? This came from I don't know, maybe Benny. Back alley. What it came from the liquor store. Just a regular liquor store. Okay. It looked like did it say Australian on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, my, my drink of choice is a, a rusty nail, which is a scotch and a drambouille. And I was asked one time, what is drambouille? And I said, it's yeah. basically also scotch. So it is the cocktail in which you are mixing scotch and scotch. It's, that's really all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is not the scotch. scotch, scotch, scotch. I love scotch. I, <laughs> in my belly. Yes. yes. This is not the, this is not the sommelier podcast, but it could be at some point if we wanted it to be. We just all have to start spitting. That's true. Yes. But we are here for, yes, we are here for a Muppet Christmas Carol. So very, very quickly, we're going to dive right on into this one. But very quickly, we do spoil the movies we talk about. If you haven't seen this one, first of all, I don't know why you should have seen this by now. But if you haven't, maybe if you want to, you could pause this episode, go watch it, and then come back. Also, don't forget to visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer via Patreon, just like Podrick. And there's all kinds of extra bonus stuff that you get by doing that. So head on over to 30podcast.com to find all that good stuff. All right. I think we can probably just jump on into this one. I don't know that we got anything else uh, movie news-wise or anything like that. Jeff, I know you were you were kind of taking the lead with some of our trivia, so when we get to that point, I'll 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 hand it off to you a little bit and you can kind of lead us through some of the trivia and some of our other All right. other stuff for that. And then I think you've got uh, three questions for us later on too. I 
I do have three questions. Excellent. I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited when I don't have to make the three questions. I hope you're excited when you hear the three questions. Because because my struggle is I'll be like, dang, have we already asked that question before? Then my second well, struggle. Then my second struggle is, wow, do I care? You know, I I had a, I had to replace a question because oh, yeah. I I was listening to last week's show. I believe one of the questions last week was, what's your favorite Christmas carol? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, was there goes that one. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Jeff, what's, J- Jeff, what's your favorite Christmas carol? I want to hear yours because you, you unfortunately were listening and not potting. What is it, um, man? Yeah. I really enjoy Silent Night. Mm. And Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with Have Yourself, I... I'm a big fan of when when Judy Garland sings it in Mimi in St. Louis. Mm, yeah. And her her voice singing that song is just it's it's incredible. Yeah. So cool. but but Silent Night I feel is is one that can be I've heard many covers of of course and yeah I I really I really like Silent Night. Cool. Very cool. All right, let's just let's jump right on into this one. This is Muppet Christmas Carol. It came out on the 11th of December, 1992, rated G, with a runtime of one hour, 25 minutes. Directed by Brian Henson, who did the TV show Dinosaurs and Muppet Treasure Island. Writer was Jerry Jewell, who died in 2005, did Sesame Street and Muppets from Space. Producers were Brian Henson and Martin G. Baker. Henson produced Farscape and Muppet Wizard of Oz. Baker did The Muppets, the 2011 movie, and Muppets Wizard of Oz. Music was done by Miles Goodman, who died in 1996, did the music for Little Shop of Horrors and La Bamba. Cinematography was done by John Fenner, who did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Message. Editor was Michael Jablau, who did The Last Castle and Boomerang. Budget for this one was 12 million. Box office came in at 27.2 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 72%, and CinemaScore gave it an A. Starring Michael Caine as Scrooge. He was in The Dark Knight, the other Batman movies with Christian Bale, The Prestige, The Quiet American. Dave Goles, who played Gonzo, Robert Marley, Bunsen Honeydew, among others, was in Fraggle Rock and The Muppet Show. Steve Whitmire, did Grizzo the Rat, Bean Bunny, Kermit, Beaker, and others, was in The Dark Crystal and The Muppets Take Manhattan. Jerry Nelson, who died in 2012, was Tiny Tim Cratchit. Jacob Marley, Ghost of Christmas Present. He was in The Great Muppet Caper and Follow That Bird. Frank Oz, whoever that guy is, was Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Sam Eagle, and Animal. He was in Star Wars and The Dark Crystal. David Rudman was Rat, Peter Cratchit, and Swedish Chef. He was in The Muppets and Sesame Street. Jessica Fox was the Ghost of Christmas Past voice. She was in The Foresight Saga and Hollyoaks. Stephen McIntosh played Fred. He was in Memphis Belle and a TV show called Lucky Man. Meredith Braun was Belle. She was in TV shows called New Tricks and An Age Apart. And Robin Weaver played Clara. She was in The Inbetweeners and a TV show called Wonderlust. All right. Now is the time on Sprockets when we have some trivia. Jeff, have you got some trivia for us here? I have a little bit of trivia for you for uh, for this movie. Excellent. I guess the biggest trivia piece to this whole thing is that this movie became a huge source of what has become known as the Mandela effect. When you remember certain things a certain way that didn't really happen. 
And the reason I bring that up is because there is a song in this movie called When Love Is Gone. Mm-hmm. This song is sung by Young Belle when she breaks up with Young Scrooge in the vision of old Scrooge looking back on his life. And it's reported that at the time, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was a high studio head at Disney, had the song removed from the movie because he felt that it was too sad for children, kind of slowed the movie down. So the mo- so the, as the story goes, then the song never made it into the actual theatrical release. But it somehow reappeared in some VHS and Laserdisc and some early DVD releases of the movie. But it was never included in TV airings or later DVD releases or Blu-ray releases or then the streaming release on Disney+. Plus. So this was a song that some people knew about and a scene that some people knew about and other people had no idea that this song had ever existed or how it fit into the movie. It was recently, the the original film was recently found or had been recently found in storage. And when it was shown to Brian Henson at the time, it was in great condition and they were able to clean it up a little bit more to be able to reinsert the song back into, back into the film where it belongs. So you can now see that on Disney Plus by going to the movie and then going into the extras section of the movie. They've included a full length version of the film with this song now added in. But John, I recall when I mentioned this to you a couple months back when we had been chatting about this, I don't think you had any idea what I was talking about. You know, I, at the time I didn't, but when I went back and watched it, I actually remembered this song. So this, this song does appear on the soundtrack though. It wasn't, I, I haven't listened to the soundtrack. So, okay. Cause if yeah. you have the soundtrack to the movie, this song is on there. Yeah. I have a feeling we, we might've seen it. Maybe we rented a, an early VHS version of it that had it on there. Cause as it, I was like, yeah, no, I don't remember the song at all. And then as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, nope. Yep, I remember the song. I remember like how the scenery all looks with the, the two and of I, them singing. Let me and, jump yeah. in here, John. Cause I think that there, I don't know if you got a copy from somebody that I got a copy from of the older one, which had that one. It was Chris. Chris gave me an old VHS copy of that. Cause it was hard to find something. And I had that and I'm, and I'll have to dig it out because I haven't watched the VHS copy in a while, but I also, too, remember the, the song. So I believe it is on that original. I think it's on that copy of an old VHS tape. It must be or like wherever she got that copy. It was a copy of a copy of something. Yeah. So, yeah, I do remember. And then all of a sudden I, I did recall that I saw it in a different version and it was not in there, but I did not recall it at the time, which is interesting. Yeah. And then when yeah. I saw that this just recently, there was like it was in the news about Disney fixing an old old mistake is how they kind of refer to the article that I saw. It was like, Oh, Disney updated and fix is fixing the old mistake by leaving it out back then. So then I started thinking, wait a second, which song is this? And I had to look at them. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the song with, so I think it's possible. I don't know if she gave you one, but cause you guys were pretty good friends and stuff too. So I did get one from, from Chris, Chris Dearbeck. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, re- it's really interesting. Years ago. Th- that years this, ago. Song, this song just in and out of different versions of, media for this movie. And I kind of wondered why it was on an old VHS at the time. And she said it was hard to find something about, and maybe that's why 
And I didn't know if I put two together. And I, and I believe I'm recalling that story correctly. But yeah, I have to now look up and I have it somewhere in a box. So I'll have to look. Well, and, and that tracks because it did appear in some early VHS releases of the movie. I'm not sure. I couldn't find anything that explained how it ended up on home release after it had been cut from the theatrical release. Cause at that time it, that wouldn't have been a big thing that studios would do. They wouldn't okay. offer extended cuts or added scenes to movies. So it's really interesting that somehow this movie fell into that. Did that it category. ever air on a TV a playing of it ever? It was never included in, according to what I, I researched, it was never included in any TV airings. Okay. All right. Cause for some reason I thought that hers was a TV. But every, but a lot of, I won't say every, a lot of people seem to have memories of this particular yeah. scene and this particular song. But yeah, when, anytime you would go back to try to find it, it would just, it would not be in the version of the movie. So it was a really, it, it was a really weird Mandela effect that everyone seemed to remember this song, but yet no one could find any, any record of it in the actual movie. And even though it's on the soundtrack, this is another bit of trivia that I have, even though it's on the soundtrack, there are two other songs on the soundtrack that never made it in the movie. There's a song called Room in Your Heart, which is sung by Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker as charity workers and a song called Chairman of the Board sung by Sam the Eagle as Scrooge's school headmaster. But again, these songs were recorded, but never were filmed to make it into the, the final cut of the movie. So when you have that going on, as well as this other mysterious song, When Love Is Gone, you show you have these three songs showing up in the soundtrack, but not in the movie, then people would start to figure, well, it was just like those other ones just never made it in the film. But other people saying, no, I remember seeing a version of this movie that has this scene in it. Yeah. Well, and what gets me with that one is what was his reasoning again was he thought it would make kids too sad. Yeah. He, I, from what I read, Katzenberg thought that the song was too sad for children and that it, kind of slowed the film down a bit yeah but but tiny but tiny tim dying not sad i don't know how you get away with it's removing that part of the story right it's the staple it's the staple character arc of 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 him where it's just like it's just it's such a crucial part where i don't i can't speak for the other songs you mentioned that may or may not be in there whether the eagle sam the eagle but i'm like i doubt that those were as important to the to the story as this one was where i think that's also obviously and and i'm glad that the article that i read also did it was a short little blurb and it was more of a video but the blurb that basically yeah like i you're, you're doing that for the kids but i think that's wrongly overestimate or underestimating the ability for kids to process that Mm-hmm. appreciate that and and add more meaning to the story well and of of those three songs of those three songs this is the one that adds to the story the yeah. other two are more incidental and exactly clearly the story without those, but this one kind of adds an extra emotional punch to it which again character motivation character every it just gives you that that's that backstory and sees them in a different yeah i mean it's, it's kind of mind-boggling yeah that you would keep that out but regardless, yes, I'm glad that it's back, that you can see it now. What else do I have over here? So this was the first major Muppet project after Jim Henson had passed away. And his son is the director and had felt a lot of pressure making this movie as 
you know, you would expect because you're taking on the legacy of Jim Henson. But, you know, I, I, I think that this movie works and I don't think Brian Henson should have felt as much pressure as he did, but it's certainly understandable why he would have felt pressure. And then the last little tidbit of, of trivia that I have here is the music from the trailer of this movie was from the movie Beetlejuice. So, John, I don't know if you have the trailer that you're going to drop into this, this yeah, year's gonna, dig, but Yeah, we'll, we'll play the trailer Yeah, when we're done with trivia, and I'll, I'll do a quick little synopsis of it, and then I'll uh, play the trailer, and we'll see if it's the one that's got the Beetlejuice music. But that's what I have in terms of trivia for this this one. So if you guys have anything else that you want to add or other stories or things that you you picked up on, there's other little nods to the original story throughout the movie and to some of the actors. There's a store a storefront in the movie called, I think it's Mickle White's. Yeah. And that is actually Michael Caine's real name. It's Mickle White, so it's a little nod to him in, in, in one of the storefronts of the of the background, but yeah, that's, that's all I got. It's a couple little nuggets of, of trivia there. One of the, fun- realize that the shooting, the shooting star scene is a mem- is, is in memory of Jim Henson as well. So, well, the, so the, and there's also, I believe a shooting star in every Muppet movie. I think so. In some, yeah, capacity. I think that's why it's in memory of, yeah, I think that's why they but, have memory. But yeah, they added, they, they made sure to put that in there cause it just sort of fits the, the pantheon of, of Muppet movies. One of the trademarks of Muppet movies. One of the stories that I remember reading that I, I really like about this one is when Michael Caine, when they approached him about playing this part, he was really excited because I guess he had missed his chance to be on the actual Muppet show. My understanding is they were filming the Muppet show in England at the time, and or at least they were filming some of the episodes in England, and he a bunch of his other actor friends had got to be like guest hosts on the Muppet show. And he did not because I think he was in a tax exile in the United States because he would have gotten in trouble if he went back to England at that point. And so he kind of missed out on getting to be on the Muppet show. So this was like his one chance to be with the Muppets. But my favorite thing about this story is when they offered it to him and they said, hey, we'd, we'd really like you to play Scrooge in this Muppet Christmas Carol. His response was, I, I will play Scrooge. I would love to play Scrooge. I would love to be in this movie. He said, but I'm not going to I'm not doing any winks to the camera. I'm not doing any asides. I'm not doing any jokes. I'm going to play this as if I'm in the Royal Shakespeare Theater Company and you let the Muppets do all the humor. And I thought, okay, well, that's that's pretty cool. I, to me, that's when we get further into like what we like about this movie. I think that's one of the things I enjoy is that he's not treating this. He's not treating this as if it's a goofy Muppet movie and and it totally works. Like the fact that he's the straight man and, and all the other comedy is coming because of Muppets and because of situations around him. Like, I'm totally fine with that. And I think that's one of the things that works really well about this. But I always liked how that was kind of his response to things. He's like, I'm going to treat this as if I'm doing like the greatest performance of A Christmas Carol, you know, whether it's Muppets or not. And I guess Brian Henson was like, that's exactly what I want you to do. So yes, please do. I'm just going to add two more in there. One, I, maybe you're covering this later too, but the other George Carlin was on the list of being Scrooge instead of Michael Caine. It did not happen. I remember hearing uh, that. It was just a little extra trivia there. But the one other one is just the, the cool, again, on the filmmaking part of it, which I always find interesting. The ghosts of Christmas past movements were aquatic. The spirit that guides Scrooge into his childhood had an eerie floating physicality. 
To achieve this look, puppeteers were was were submerged with a Muppet in a tank of baby oil backed by a green screen to record the performance. However, the cost of a tank of baby oil soon stacked up, pushing the filmmakers to switch to water. Through the, though the rod puppets, glues, and paints interacted poorly with the water, they got the shots they needed. So I thought that was kind of interesting, the whole baby oil versus water, and that kind of look, very cool look. Yeah. So anything like that's kind of cool, creative stuff. I just love that kind of trivia of how they do sh- do stuff. All right. So quick synopsis of this one, and then we'll play the trailer. We'll see if it's the one that has the, the Beetlejuice music in it. In a world where frogs and pigs dance and sing, Ebenezer Scrooge will have one night to learn the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens's immortal classic, Scrooge, as retold by Muppets. Your life might just depend on it. That was really intense. I know. Bah, humbug. He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious and stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. Think it's safe for us to be up here? Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Filled with holiday warmth. Hey, 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 like the lamp, not the rat, like the lamp, not the rat. And Christmas spirit. <laughs> Jacob Molly. Oh, that's scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, it's all right. This is culture. This is the movie to see, to share. Ah! To cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Walt Disney Pictures presents, from Jim Henson Productions, The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. Light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. All right. So very quickly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zip through the major moments pretty fast because if you don't know the story of A Christmas Carol, I don't know where you've been for the last hundred and whatever years because, yeah. every Pull back the curtain just a moment. Nearly every Christmas movie that we've watched in the last three weeks has been some iteration of A Christmas Carol. So you can't – I don't think you can go through the Christmas season – without stumbling over at least a couple of different versions. So all that to say, I'm assuming everybody pretty much knows this story. But basically, movie opens with the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge, and establishes the fact that he is a cranky, miserly old man. We have three ghosts that show up. We also get introduced to Bob Cratchit and and some of the other characters. We realize that those working for Mr. Scrooge are not in the best state 
They don't have much because Scrooge doesn't give much. The three ghosts show up to try to help Scrooge redeem himself, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. They show him the error of his ways by taking him through moments in his life in the past, present, and possible future. And then at that point, Scrooge ultimately, over the course of that one night, transforms from a miserly and indifferent man to a kind and generous one as he comes to understand the value of love and compassion. And then obviously at the end of the movie, we have the big celebration of Christmas with Scrooge's family and friends. He's going around and and giving gifts to everyone. The man that never would have given anybody a gift before is going around giving gifts and providing food and ends up at the at the Cratchit's house and becomes a, I think the, the, the line from the book and from this movie, that he becomes like a second father to Tiny Tim. And, and, and then obviously in the final scenes of this movie, he's kind of looking back on everything and we get the very famous line from all iterations of this, God bless us, everyone. Little Tiny Tim shares that with, with Scrooge as they're having that feast at the very end of it all. And obviously as a Muppet movie, there are a plethora of musical numbers spread throughout. So those are the basic major moments of the movie. So we will dive on in to having a little discussion over our deeper thoughts in this one. It's time for Deep Thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. All right. So I'm going to pose this question. Jeff, I don't know if you have other questions. Apart from the three questions, feel free to throw them out there. My first question is, we're just going to get right in into it. Is this the best version of A Christmas Carol that's ever been filmed? I won't say it's the best. Okay. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. I don't know if it'd be the best. Okay. Then again, I don't know what I would consider to be the best because there are a number that are very good. Yeah. There's my answer. Okay. It's, it's, it's a non-answer answer. You're welcome. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Patrick? Yeah, I think you said it, Jeff. I mean, it's really, it's really good. I mean, and, it, and you know, we'll, I won't go like too far off on that tangent, but explaining all the ins and outs of why I think so. But I was just, I was struck by that when and kind of all the trivia you guys brought forth kind of clicked that, oh yeah, you know, Michael Caine played it and legit. And the Muppets were the Muppets and it was just a great Muppet movie. And there was, it was creepy, right? There were some creepy, legit creepy spots in here. And I, I, yeah, I think it's really good. Again, I'm going to have to to pass the ball off to or hand the ball off here to Bo, because I, I want to say, Bo, aren't you the one that watches like 10 or 20 different Christmas carols a year or something like that? So you might be the best to talk about the different iterations of the Christmas carol, but this one is is really good. It's just a fun, fun movie. I think Bo had to step away for a little bit. Oh shoot! Okay, Bo was Bo was did. having a, a late night work emergency, so I think he had to step out, which um, is always fun. But I oh, think yeah. he's but Bo Bo usually watches a good number of them each year, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and he's he's always trying to seek out other versions he hasn't seen yet, and and all that. I'm, so I feel I, like that's that's the challenge with this movie too. Yeah with this story you want to go ahead and you want to retell it again what are you going to do to make it interesting mm-hmm. because at this point as an adult if you don't if you're not familiar with the story of Scrooge you are in a very small minority yeah so if you if you're bold enough to say i'm going to make another movie version of this what are you going to do to elevate it so that people are going to want to experience your version compared to all the other versions that are out there. 
there's musical versions, there's straight versions, there's animated versions, there's there's Muppets, there's Mickey Mouse, there's that Jim Carrey animated version. There's the the Kelsey Grammer musical version. There's all sorts of all sorts of ideas out there have been brought to tell this story and not all have worked or it worked well. So if you're if someone's going to be bold enough to say I'm going to release a version of a Christmas carol then you know, you better have an idea that's going to make people want to come see your telling of this story. Like Mary Lou Retton. Like Mary Lou Retton is Tiny Tim. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to say I think this might be my favorite one. Like of all the ones that I've seen, I don't know if I I don't know if I can intelligently argue enough to say that it's the best one objectively. But I'm going to say it's my favorite. And I think one of the things that makes it my favorite of all of them is, and I love the, I love the old 50s Alistair Sim one. I love the George C. Scott one, which I think is from the 80s. The, the one with Patrick Stewart, I, I like him as Scrooge. I, the rest of the movie, it was okay. I think that one was 90s or early 2000s. I, I don't know if I've seen the animated Jim Carrey one, but I've seen enough of these to know that a lot of those, it's I, I really like the Scrooge that's in it. I like the actor that plays Scrooge, or I like how they do this particular part of it. And a lot of those older ones, I don't know that I could sit down and watch a version of A Christmas Carol that both myself and my kids are going to be equally entertained. You know, I can watch some of the older ones and be like, oh, I love this story. It's, it gets me in the, in the Christmas spirit, and I, I, I've... Loved reading this book, and I was just, I really, really enjoy it. But I don't know if my kids are going to be quite as interested in it. But this version, I'm entertained. My kids are entertained. It stays true to the heart of the story. It stays true to some of line for line parts of the story. Mm -hmm. And the musical numbers are great. And it just, it's one of those movies that has kind of become, when I think of it's Christmas time and we've got a set number of, we might introduce some new movies this Christmas time, but. I have a set number of movies. Like I have to see these movies during this holiday season. This is definitely one of them. Like even if, even if I rotate out another one and maybe like, like so far we haven't watched Elf yet this year. You know, we've watched Christmas Vacation. We've watched, I introduced the kids to Scrooged a couple of nights ago, you know. So we've, we've introduced some new ones. We've watched our, our regular ones. I think of all the different versions of Christmas Carol that I've seen, this is the one that entertains everybody the most in my household. So I think that would be my argument. My argument is at least if it's not the best, it's probably my favorite. So have you, Pat, did you show this to you? Your kids have seen this one. We've watched this one. Yeah. We yeah. didn't watch it this year, but we've watched this one and they loved it. Yeah. They thought it was really good. And you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm watching it this time. What I really like is how they, what I really like is how, they keep it moving for the kids. I guess you could just say comic relief, but how they keep it moving for the kids. Cause even like right on cue, right. When I was like, Hmm, this is a little dark. That's when, is it Gonzo or is it, is it it's Rizzo? Gonzo or Rizzo. I think Rizzo says, isn't this kind of dark for the kids? Uh, like, yeah. Oh, it's culture. And yeah. then there's one spot. They almost prep you. Yeah. Okay. We don't like this part. We'll see you on the other side. Right. You know, and it's just, little cues like that that give a nod for, okay, you have a younger audience, yeah. but it, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment that you have as an adult. 
even some of the scenes that would be kind of like, boy, this is dragging. And I could imagine my kids like getting a little bored, you know, Gonzo and Rizzo break the shelf yeah. or something like that. You know, Miss Piggy's mannerisms with the daughters. They, that's funny. They are, that is classic. Mm, and he's badly dressed. I'm that's, Bettina. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All of that stuff is just, it's so good. It's such a good Muppet movie. So yeah, showed it to the kids and I'm, I am, like he says in Gladiator, are you not entertained? And I am entertained, not, not entertained. Yeah. Well, and that's like, we went to a, this has been several years ago now, but we took the whole family, my mother-in-law, kids, everybody, we all went and we went to go see a stage version of A Christmas Carol. And my daughter, I, I would have thought she was too young to have remembered this, but she vividly remembers there was a scene i want to say it's when the ghost of christmas yet to come shows up in the in the stage version of this and scrooge all i think that was on stage was his bed and he sits up Mm -hmm. out of his bed and a hand reaches out from under the bed and grabs his ankle and it's the hand of the ghost of christmas yet to come and yes jeff the face you're making yes and then like as soon as that happened like green light and smoke came out from under the bed Adults were screaming, kids were screaming, like it was it was scary, and that was that was a stage version that we saw, and my daughter still remembers it. I was like, I thought you would have been way too young to have remembered that. She's like, nope, nope. Of all the different Christmas Carol stories I remember, like that one was terrifying. But yes, Pat, I I appreciate how this one preps you for those kind of things. Like it doesn't shy away from the scary yes. ghost of Christmas yet to come, but it's like. Yep, this might be a little bit too scary for us. We're gonna see you at the finale, so just prepare yourselves, and we're gonna we're gonna be over here. We'll we'll see you guys later. And sometimes that's all it takes for a kid is is just to feel validated. Yeah, you know we don't like this part. This is scary. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, okay. If you you're know, scared like, too, that's okay. So I, I right. I I just just marveled this time watching it through, just how like well put together mm-hmm. it was. It. It's just great. It's just great. Yeah. So my background with this, with this story is that um, I'd never read the original Mm. until I was an assistant director of a production of it at the Metropolis Performing Arts Center where I worked. They asked me to Mm -hmm. assistant direct. and, And I did that for, for a number of years, four years. I think I assistant directed the show. And I thought, well, if I'm going to work on this show professionally now, I guess I should actually read the source material and found a copy of the book. And that's when, that's what I, that's, that's when I learned that Charles Dickens got paid by the word. So he included as many words as he could in this story to elongate it, to get a bigger paycheck. And that he intended to write a ghost story. His intent wasn't to write a story about Christmas. His intent was to write a scary ghost story. And I bring up that point because in the years that I assistant directed this show, working with various directors, the focus was kind of always on changing up the ghost of Christmas future what are you going to do with the ghost of Christmas future? Because for a number of years in a row, when it got to those scenes in the future, one of our set pieces, we had a mannequin dressed up like a statue and he would come out and the, or the, the mannequin would be wheeled out and on a platform and there he would stand and 
can be wheeled back. Another scene would go on. And then while that scene was going on, the mannequin, the costume would be taken off the mannequin and put on an actor. And the actor would then be wheeled out in the same pose as the mannequin. And as Scrooge is now weeping at the feet of this statue, the statue all of a sudden starts to move slowly and you see an, an arm come down and the hand turn and the hand starts coming and starts putting his so hand cool. on Scrooge's head. It was a great, great idea, but it was happening again and again and again, year after year after year. And it was starting to lose something. So a number of directors that had come through while I'd been working on this as well, they kept on trying to reinvent future. What is future going to look like? How are we going to present this ghost? And it, the idea was, how do we keep it creepy? And one one year we, so one year we did the statue thing. Another year was a, I want to say we had the costume incorporated into like painter's stilts so that the actor was another three foot tall. Yeah. Another year was video projection. Another year it was, I think, a puppet that an actor wore like a harness and the puppet was like made it like 10, 15 feet tall and used and attached to long arms, all draped in black so that when Scrooge was sitting in his room in the future, this puppet would then come to life out of the shadows and out of the blackness and start to manipulate things. But yeah, future is the one that a lot of people really seem to try to go all out and really use as a a terrifying moment and i want i think maybe subconsciously people feel that people should be afraid of their future or people should be afraid of the future mm-hmm. or at least respect it enough to not think you can control it and i just like the different ghosts and i've liked that in, in the few different and i've have only seen a few different versions i know you guys have seen far more but i like that each ghost is a little different you know, and it was fun, like Dennis's trivia about the the way they did the ghost of, of the of whatever the past Christmas past with the baby oil and the water and stuff. I like that the ghost of Christmas present is like the party guy, but then how he ages. And I'm I suppose I'm not just talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol, but all of them. I just I thought that it just is so effective for me just to have the different ghosts, like you said, and the one is more of the horror and the scary and the fear, and that's what people. If I catch you right, Jeff, you're saying that's where people feel like they can put their money in terms of the the horror and the scary and all that. But even the ghost of Christmas present is just, it's just fun seeing that and then seeing how that progresses. And there's been 1,800 of me. And that's just, it's just cool. It's a cool story. One of the things that this year in particular kind of got me thinking about again is really how this story thinking back to the charles dickens one not not muppet christmas carol how this story really kind of reshaped our definition of christmas like really prior to this in the early 1800s and and definitely before that christmas was not celebrated the way that we do it today like it's really that's kind of almost an invention of the early 1800s when it's when they were kind of trying to redefine what christmas was and turn it into more of like a family centered kind of holiday, even gift giving, like before the 1800s, gift giving was a lot of times done on New Year's, wasn't even done during Christmas time. And I think a lot of people credit 
Charles Dickens, and I think there's a couple of other writers that were in the mid to late 1800s with really kind of turning this around and having it be a holiday about compassion for your your fellow people and still incorporating, like you said, the ghost stories, because that was always a tradition for, for hundreds of years as you got to the end of the year to tell ghost stories. And it was very much a Victorian thing to tell ghost stories during the holiday season. And so that's why sometimes... I, would hear the the Christmas song and hear and the and scary ghost stories of Christmas like, like what what why would yeah. you tell scary ghost stories during Christmas that seems weird until you actually you look at the history of it and that was a tradition that kind of it, it has died out since then but that's one of the reasons why this is a scary ghost story to begin with really quickly before I forget about it I don't know if you guys have seen this movie or not it is called the Man Who Invented Christmas. No. See that one? It is a, the the best and quickest way I can describe it is it is like a mixture between Shakespeare in love and a Christmas carol. So is it looking at Dickens writing the story? Yep. It is. It's Charles Dickens and he is, he's had, he had a successful couple of stories and he's been in a little bit of a slump. And now he's trying to, he, he has to, he, he needs for his family, for, you know, his, his father who has some dubious spending habits, you know, he's gotten himself into a little bit of financial situation. He's got to write. And a lot of this is true. I mean, they, they definitely stretch and fictionalize a, a decent portion of it, but a lot of it is based in the truth. And he really was struggling at the time and in a bit of a writer's slump. And this story was the one that brought him out of that, but then at the same time also kind of redefined how we look at Christmas. It's actually pretty good. It's, it's got some really good people, and it's got Dan Stevens, who was in Downton Abbey and played the Beast in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Um, mm-hmm. It's got Christopher Plummer. It's got Jonathan Price, Simon Callow. It's got a bunch of, of well-known British actors, and it was actually pretty good. Like, we watched it the other day. I think I found it on one of the, the apps that you can use to get videos from, like, you, you put your local library card in. And you have like a set of videos. Canopy was the app that I found it in, if you've ever used that one before. But it's actually pretty good. We watched it. It's rated PG. So if you wanted to watch it with family. So would you say it's kind of like Finding Neverland? Yes. Yeah, I'd I'd throw that in there too. Yeah. Okay. And what was it called? It's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Okay. It's from 2017, about five years ago. But yeah, it it was pretty good. Sounds interesting enough. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things and to your points, how do you how do you reinvent a story that's been told over and over and over again? Even the short list of of ones that I've seen, like I've seen there's there's maybe a version from the 30s that I've seen and a version from the 50s and the 80s and the 60s and it seems like every few years or so and at least every decade there is one noteworthy version of a Christmas carol that has come out. And I can't think of too many other movies or, or franchises or properties that have done something like that, where like you could look back at the history of film or the history of, of the stage and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, there have been countless iterations of this in film and literature and, you know, and, and, and we have so many versions of it with which to enjoy. And then you get to the Muppets. Well, and, and that's the thing, though, like, like, yeah. For lack of a better term, you almost kind of have to be ballsy to say that you can do something with this story that no one's ever done before. Yeah. Which is weird because when you think of live performances, shows get redone all the time. Oh, yeah. 
and new productions get remounted all the time and, and things get changed to, to provide new perspective or different ideas. I don't know why, when I think about this story and film versions of this story, it's almost like, what, what are you going to do that hasn't already been, been done? Like, do we need like a family guy version of this story or like something to that extreme, like a South park version of this story that will go, go to extremes in the, in the direction that you probably don't want it to go just because that would be something new. Mm -hmm. There was a production recently and I, I didn't get a chance to go see it, but there was a production in, in Woodstock that they gender bent the role. Okay. And Scrooge was played by a female. Okay. So I'm interested in, I have some friends that I know want to go see it and I want to pick their brains a little bit because on one hand, okay, that seems to be the trend to gender bend some things. There's a production of 1776 coming around in late February, I believe, coming to Chicago. And if you're not familiar with that musical, it's looking at the the founding fathers deciding to declare independence, right? The Declaration of Independence. And it was a, a pretty solid all-male cast and always has been. But this new production that's come out is an all-female diverse race cast. So it's one of those like interesting idea. How does that improve or enhance the story? Or is it too much of a a distraction from the story? Mm -hmm. Same thing with making Scrooge a female. How does that improve the story? Because if you're going to keep the story set in the same time period, there wouldn't have been prominent wealthy females. Right. So it doesn't make sense that there would have been a female business owner or a wealthy female I mean, maybe more of a hermit wealthy female mm-hmm. would, would could possibly it, but certainly wouldn't be owning a counting house, wouldn't be running and operating a business. I think in most parts, you probably would probably be like a wealthy widow that she had yeah, inherited, maybe. inherited. If it's the same time period, she would have inherited her husband's money. And yeah. So I need to to find out more information about how that ended up playing out. Yeah. But Again, kudos for trying something new because, again, if you're going to keep retelling the story in a way that you want people to be interested, you have to reinvent something. And I'm almost hypocritical because, you know, like I said, I worked on this show for four years, a live performance of the show. People came back to see it because they liked what they saw. And it became we, the feedback we got is that it became such a part of people's family holiday traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the, the show would run from the day after Thanksgiving up through Christmas Eve. And, you know, through that time, many families would come in and, you know, year after year, they'd bring more family members and they would just turn it into this thing they did as part of their holiday season. So I guess there is that, but again, if you're going to release a movie version of it, I feel like that you need it to be different if you want people to, justify spending their money to come see it yeah one thing i want to do because this now there have been musical versions of this but one of the things that obviously with the muppets that you're definitely going to have is you're going to have some songs and so i want to play through a few of the songs here and i'm going to start with probably my favorite like i I can even separate this song from the movie itself 
and this is just a song that I would consider putting on regular Christmas time rota- rotation to listen to whether whether I was watching this movie or not. I'm not sure which one you're going with because I think like there's a number that could fall into that category. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. Yeah, I just, I love this song. I love the whole scene. He's walking through the town and is the the penguin skating party and, and everything mm-hmm. else. I don't know if you've been following my daily Twitter posts or I've been sharing a Christmas song every day mm-hmm. since December the 1th. Yeah. But this, that song is going to appear. Okay. Later on, on. On Christmas Eve, I'm assuming. When literally there's only one more sleep, <laughs> one more sleep until sleep. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I love this song. Like, even if it wasn't part of this movie, if it was just a song that I had heard at some point, then. The songs that they did include were, they were fun. Yeah. They were good songs. You know, I'm not sad that they cut out the Bunsen and Beaker uh-huh. song. And I'm not sad that they cut out the Sam the Eagle song because they those songs didn't really add to the story. Right. Like I said earlier, I think the When Love Is Gone song is, that was one that should have stayed because it adds more to the story. When you have Young Bell singing to Young Scrooge about how he has stopped, she has recognized he has stopped loving her. Yeah. Because he's learned to depend on money instead yeah and then when you have old scrooge standing behind young bell and both of them singing to young scrooge it's a very cool moment yeah and you you start to get the the sense of regret in old scrooge as that's going on he's recognized like he realizes like i was stupid i shouldn't have let her yeah i shouldn't have let her leave well that's the turning point of when he really starts to change and so to have that removed from the movie i mean that's to me that doesn't make sense for that not to be in the movie because that seems to be the pivotal moment where he really starts to change his mind i wish they had done more to explain how his family truly abandoned him yeah as a young boy and like year after year when Scrooge, when all of his classmates were going home for the holidays for Christmas, Scrooge was left behind at school. His father told him, don't come home. Yeah. And finally his sister shows a fan shows up to bring him home and he doesn't want to go. And then he starts learning more that, especially when he starts working under Fezziwig, like there's more to life than family mm-hmm. there's money and if you have money money will not let you down the way that people will right be careful or you may regret the choice you make someday when love is gone when love is gone the Love is gone. 
There they start in. Yeah, two of them together. It was cool. Yeah. It's like he's remembering what it was at that moment, and then the regret of how did I let, how did I let Bell slip away? And I want to say in the original story, then to reveal that Bell goes on to lead a very successful life and has a family of her own and kids of her own with somebody else and ends up being very happy while Scrooge is left with no one but his money. Yeah. Another song I really enjoy is with the Ghost of Christmas Present, which I... That guy, he just kind of like, I would love to just spend an afternoon with him anyway, because he just seems like a lot of fun. I would love to know him better, man. (laughs) It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love. It feels like Christmas. Kindness that we share with another A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother In all the places you find love It feels like Christmas It is the season of the heart A special time of caring The ways of love make clear It is the season of... I love the cat there. Oh, yeah. It is... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why it just cracks me up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things I will I will give credit where credit is due to the Muppets. One of the things they always do really well is, I think there's a. It could be very easy for your songs when you have a, a movie musical, very easy for the songs to get kind of cheesy and and kind of hackneyed. The Muppets tend to not do that, like they tend to be really good i mean much like disney movies for the most part you know songs are well placed the songs are good and i think the muppets also do that really well too especially in this movie this is probably one of my favorites the yeah and the other thing the muppets do really well is like throwaway lines oh yeah you know and in in this movie in particular one of my favorites is when ratchet is asking for christmas day off and all the rats are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Scrooge is like, what? You want Chris to stay off? And like, they're like, no, no. And all of a sudden you're just like, it was the frog's idea. It was the frog's idea, yeah. <laughs> like, just, it's such a stupid line, but it just lands so well. And that's how a lot of these lines are. They're so funny because of the way that they're presented and the way that they land in the scenes that they're in. Mm-hmm. There's just so many <laughs> always great throwaway lines there that if you're not really, like the cat in that song. Yeah. Meow. Mm-hmm. Like just this little, like out of nowhere, does this little cat noise? I don't know why I find it funny, but yeah, I do. The, the Muppets do humor well, and it's not just like slapstick or kind of. It's it's they do humor well, and it's you guys are describing exactly what I was struggling to put my finger on. Like, what? Why is this? And it is. It's a little innuendo. Not innuendo is too uh, the wrong word, but it's just you said it right. Throwaway lines that easily noticed very subtle that's what i'm trying to say they they've really there's a subtle layer of humor with all the muppet stuff i it's just so good well and i mean muppet humor well here's a sentence i didn't think i'd start that way muppet humor (laughs) is like it's smart Mm -hmm. muppet humor is smart it's not stupid dick and fart jokes right 
it's not dumbed down. You know, it's not jokes you're going to find on the likes of sitcoms or anything like that. Now it's, it's, it's intelligent humor, a lot of it. And if you're not paying attention, you're not going to get the joke. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a lot, especially the, the Muppet movie and great Muppet caper, like the humor in there challenges you to pay attention. Are you really following along? Because if you are, you're going to pick up on things that a lot of people are going to miss because they're going to write this off as being a silly puppet movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My name is Charles Dickens. My name's Rizzo the Rat. Wait a second. You're not Charles Dickens. I am too. No, a blue furry Charles Dickens who hangs out with a rat. Absolutely. Charles Dickens was a 19th century novelist, a genius. Oh, you are too kind. Well, why should I believe you? Well, because I know the story of A Christmas Carol like the back of my hand. Prove it. All, All right. right. There's a little mole on my thumb and a scar on my wrist from when I fell off my bike. Yeah, he's got his, like, head turned away, and he's holding out his hand to, to yeah. Rizzo to, like, I'm going to tell you everything you're about to see on my hand. Like, right. they go all in on on the humor they're trying to present. I don't know. It's, Muppet humor is very clever, very smart, and I don't think a lot of people give the creators of and, and the writers and performers, especially, yeah. well, definitely the early Muppets, the their their credence they're due. Yeah. You know why? Because it's puppets. We we write it off as being for kids, but there's so much humor there. Muppet Family Christmas is one of my favorite Muppet Muppet programs. And it is chock full, chock full of humor that if you're not really paying attention and they make fun of themselves. That's what's so Mm -hmm. great in, in that special in particular they make fun of themselves when ernie and bert meet doc hi i'm ernie i'm bert bert that starts with the letter b i'm doc that starts with the letter d what is this are you, are you what is like what what is this you guys putting me on he goes where we come from this is small talk like what a great line mm-hmm. that you know it, you you have to appreciate the fact that they can then poke fun at themselves and and a lot of what they do, but they do it so smartly. Don't you think we should have called your mom and let her know we were coming, Fozzie? Oh, you don't understand bears, Kermit. My mother loves surprises. Bears. <laughs> right now, my mom is sitting before a roaring fire, being feeling a little sad that she's all alone for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Muppet humor is is it? It's a very special thing, and I think maybe that's part of the reason why really the Muppets are having a hard time finding a home right now because there's not a lot of place to showcase that style of humor. Yeah. You know, there's the, like they tried the, the Muppets, which was like a kind of a a spoof of the office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the single camera thing. And that didn't really work. There was the Muppets movie that Jason Siegel wrote, which was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Muppets Most Wanted really fell flat and that didn't really work. And then there was, I think there was like a zoom series of the Muppets back during the pandemic and that didn't really work. So, I mean, Disney doesn't really know what to do with this entity that they have, you know, they're, they're not really represented in the theme parks at all. Muppets 3d, I think is still a thing in Hollywood studios. And I want to say recently they renamed the restaurant at the United States pavilion in Epcot after Sam, the Eagle, the regal Eagle, I think it's called now. Okay. But yeah, just 
They just don't know what to do with the Muppets brand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we got three questions coming up. Do we have anything else we want to say real quick before we get into three questions? You were talking about Sam the Eagle. You were talking about Sam the Eagle, and I just want to say that scene where he's like, it is the American way. (laughs) Mm. It is the British way. I... Even the way they wrote it where, okay, are, are Gonzo and Rizzo just like the third person narrator? Well, then when they fall off the shelf, they turn and look at them. And then they have interaction. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, is this? are we supposed to be in the movie or are we watching the Muppets act out the movie and they're breaking the fourth wall? And it just keeps you guessing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, mm-hmm. And... and and I don't, it's either one of two things in my mind. It's like either they wrote it that way on purpose because they just want the audience guessing or they're like, dude, this is just going to be one big party. Let's just have fun. And that's how it ended up. But either which way it is just so entertaining, but never undercuts the, 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 the scariness, the spookiness, the power of the uh, Christmas Carol story. So the, the Muppets move in and out of it so fluidly, It's there's a fifth wall. <laughs> and it's made of a very Muppety kind of material. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else before three questions? I don't, I don't what think a great I movie. All right. What well, a great movie. Well, before the stroke of midnight, you'll be visited by three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Jeff, I hand it to you. All right. Listening audience, you should know that the guys have not seen these questions, so they haven't had time to prepare any answers. And truth be told, I'm not sure if I have any answers prepared for these questions, but here we go. All right, Are you guys ready? I was born ready. All right, My quest- soul is prepared. How's yours? Question one. Medium we've gotten, we've gotten Christmas Carol, Wizard of Oz, and Treasure Island. Mm. What story would you like to see the Muppets tackle with their particular brand of humor? <laughs> The room. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Piggy. <laughs> I did not hit her. I did not. Well, hi, Fozzie. Well, oh, it's man. true. I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I was not expecting that as an answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So what? So, how's your sex life? (laughs) I throw the football away and it comes back to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love that guy with the fish. Why do we not talk? Why did we not talk about that guy with the fish? I, New Zealand? I love that guy. <laughs> you got the fish. <laughs> the Swedish chef. What do you got? We put the Muppet in the butt. I just, oh my gosh, I love the Muppets. Right, 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 right. But getting back to my question, then, what story would you like to see the Muppets? What story would you like to see the Muppets tackle with their particular brand of humor? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we've had Christmas Carol, Mm -hmm. Wizard of Oz, Treasure Island, Treasure Island. It's gotta be a classic story. Robin Hood. I'd like to see Robin Hood. I want to see Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Poor Piggy. Well, oh man, oh man. man. (laughs) Wow. Nobody cuts off my head, Buster. Was Robin Hood the wrong answer? I mean, Lord of the Flies got more laughs. I said no, Robin Hood, and no, I got quiet. No, I, I get the feeling mine was the wrong answer. Yeah, I, feel like, no, well, I, I feel like John's was the wrong answer, but yet there's 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 humor there that needs to be explored. That's what I mean. Like with the Muppets, with the particular brand of humor uh-huh. that the Muppets bring, like they they could do so many great things. Oh yeah. They've done a Muppets in space, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, want, do you want to hear my answer? Jeff, what's your answer? I would like to see a, and maybe it's the musical version of Muppets Les Miserables. Ah. Muppets Les Miserables. I can see that. I feel like that would be really entertaining mm-hmm. if the Muppets got a hold of Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Kermit plays Valjean. Who plays Javert? I mean, is it Fozzie? I don't know that that's a Fozzie. No, Fozzie would be the innkeeper. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Phil. Philip. Philip Phil. Why don't you just say what it does? Nobody's ever tried that before. Selling your hair will get you money. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely ladies. (laughs) Come with me, kids. Two, four, six, oh, one. I can see that one. I don't know. Let's go through some of the classics. I, Count of Monte Cristo. We could do that one. The Muppets, well, Muppets well, Three Musketeers. While you guys are thinking, I will say that if you go to YouTube mm-hmm. and look up Muppets Hamilton, you can find a version of the musical Hamilton by Ricky Downs III. Oh, nice. In which I believe he did all the voices for all the Muppets in the entire show of Hamilton. Oh, nice. Now, I listened to a couple... Two summers ago, I think I was while I would like go outside and cut the grass. I just put on the next section of Muppets Hamilton. Nice. Well, I feel like a lot of these classic stories were written in like the nineteenth the century. And since Dennis just came back and he was alive when those were brand new, I would be curious to know what his thoughts are. 
I don't think he's listening to he's, you. He's not listening to me. Dennis, can he's you hear us? He's, he's trying to come up with an answer right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like most of the ones that worked best are the ones that kind of when they do those adaptations, it's it is like the Treasure Island. It's the I don't know. Wizard of Oz was okay. I know that's definitely not one of my go to ones, but yeah, I feel like you're looking at like the old classics. Hmm. I was thinking Tom Sawyer too. That could be that could be a good one. Muppets Frankenstein. Muppets Frankenstein would be real good. That could be good. Dennis, can you hear us at all? Are you? Do you want to participate in the three questions? You have to unmute. <laughs> Old people today, I tell you, they just don't get technology. Fozzie, what do you mean you put an Abby normal brain? Yeah, I'm, 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 I was talking to my mom, so oh. <laughs> it's back and forth. Juggling things here. Hold on one second. That would be for the podcast after dark. Well, there's a Muppet one for you. So what was the question? I can hear you. So the, we're with question number one of the three questions. We've gotten Christmas Carol, Wizard of Oz, and Treasure Island. What story would you like to see the Muppets tackle with their particular brand of humor? Well, oddly enough, I did say that I was thinking Wizard of Oz because I just filmed the play Wizard of Oz, and I was in my mind, I was thinking, oh, well, that one, I had a feeling that question might pop up, and Wizard of Oz was one that I did think of. Already been done. I know. Try again. Oh, man. <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. I'll get to it before the end. I need. I so far, more. we've gotten Robin Hood, Les Mis, Ooh, Les Mis, The that, Room. That's Pat that's wants to see Muppets take on The Room. That would be good. Just don't say Howard the Duck. Well, technically, mm. Muppets already are kind of in Howard with, the Duck. That's with true. Humor though, with the humor though, that's the thing. Because Les Mis would be. I don't know, man. Les, like Les Mis is very oh, serious and has a lot yeah. of dark to it, but I think Which is with, totally their, right. with their brand of humor, they could do a lot with that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to make fun of. Yeah. Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take away my freedom. Muppets hey! is being slaughtered everywhere in big battle scenes. Oh! It's Julius Caesar. A tuberte, then fall Kermy. Friends, Romans, countrymen. See, Jeff, this is why you give the questions in advance. That's why John at least gives us some time. There's no fun in that. It's the spontaneity of this podcast mm-hmm. that keeps it going for so many years. Yeah, the spontaneity, you get lots of dead air. Well, to be fair, Dennis, I did text you the questions about an hour ago. Yeah, I was out. <laughs> if you didn't notice, there's a picture of four kids on the screen for a while. Hey, whatever you're into in your own place, that's you. <laughs> it's Ralphie. For all those viewers out there, just so you don't say, yeah. I was gonna say, um, I was gonna say another one would be Alice in Wonderland, but I did not realize that uh, there was an episode of the old Muppet Show that did it, Alice in Wonderland. That'd be a good one. Mm. Something's gonna pop into my head, and I'm gonna blur it out. But go ahead. All right. Well, let's go on to, to question yeah. two then, and yeah, if you yeah, think of anything, yeah. we'll I'll we'll come back to that one. Yeah, I was just yeah. Hold on. All right. Question two. Which ghost do you think had the biggest effect on the Scrooge character? So that could be uh, past, present, future, or even Marley. 
Uh, that's a tough one. Well, it's, it, yeah, because you could the recency bias. You could say the ghost of the future, right? But is that just did it take the other two to set him up? And he just that ghost of the future kind of pushed him over the edge. I mean, that was the one that kind of brought it all home. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the past. I always think the past plants the seed and sparks the fire that was there, and it's the person that he was, and and the rest of it's just more of a kick in the pants to get there. Yeah, but it's already that's the one that gave him. There's the all because like in in other traditional ones too, you can always tell while he reverts back to Scrooge for a bit, he starts to become a more likable character as it goes on, or you start to see some of the the one because he's reminded of who he once was. I think with the past. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, as you start to progress forward he may slip back into modern day Scrooge or like current Scrooge. And, and, you know, cause it's, it's, it's almost like he's, but at that point it seems like he's acting to me. We've already as an audience seen him as somebody who was not like he was. So at his heart, he's a good person. I think at that point he also realizes back in the time and how did I become so jaded and how like all these things. And it, it, it's like sometimes the key to your future is, is in the past. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with my solid past the past i'm also going to go past because i don't think you get the reactions that you get from present and future unless like you said the the past sets all that up and i'm I'm thinking about because we watched scrooged last night and while he's while he's clearly starting to turn a little bit during the present and the future part of it the future to me always seems a little bit i don't know the future seems a little bit self preservation and the present is obviously you're, you're getting examples of what the people around you think but it's the past like when when we watch scrooged that's the one where he starts crying because he sees himself as the kid you know he was watching tv and his dad brought him the four pounds of veal or whatever it was and his mom leaves and and then he starts crying i mean that's the only time you really see in that movie you kind of start to see him emotionally break down same thing with this one i feel like that's Really, the past is the only time, and I'm trying to remember now, it feels like that's the only time you see Scrooge react emotionally other than mm-hmm. the, the panic of the future where he's like, oh, wait, can't, can't I undo this? Can I, I don't want to die. I don't, wanna, I, I don't want this to happen. But I think the past is the only one where you actually see him emotionally react other than in fear to anything the ghosts show him. I don't feel like he emotionally reacts much during the present. It's more of a... Oh, so that's what people think of me? Well, that's not good. But the past, I think, is the one that really gets him, and that's what, you know. Yeah, and I think in every other one, you don't really see it. You, you only see him as this this hardened, jaded person who's yeah. literally a, a pain in the ass to everybody for every second that the character's in the story until the past shows up. That's the first time you see him in a different light. Yeah. There's no other moment, like, where it's Scrooge and he's mean, but then he's nice, and he's it's literally he's Scrooge and he's just this SOB until you see the past and then he has that moment of reflection. I think there's that him watching it. Like in a lot of the other ones you see him where, yeah, where he's watching this and there's a certain, they cut to him and you just see like, wow, that's, that's a spot that where, that's where I was. That I used to be that person. Yeah. And then he come back to, Oh, I'm not him anymore. But at the same point, we've already realized that he is that deep down. He still is that person. He's just not acting that way anymore. Yeah. He's become jaded and, and clouded. So I think the past is, is, is my, yeah. Yeah. I would like to interrupt really, really quickly after I did a very fast Google search. And on December 24th, on Christmas Eve of 2019, Stephen King, the author himself, 
replied to a tweet where someone said, what would you, what adaptation would you like to see the Muppets do? And his response, I kid you not, is I would like to see the Muppets do Lord of the Flies. That would be cool. I'm in good company. I, I'm going to stick with my answer. Lord of the Flies. Spike, right. the, spike the football and the pig head. <laughs> so back back to question two then. I, I'm, I'm kind of split between past and future. And I, I'm looking at future because it's the one where he sees his legacy. What is his legacy going to be? And you get the sense that he's no longer... Like it really drives home the fact that he doesn't want to be remembered for the type of person that he's been. That's not who he, that, that's not what he wants the world to remember of Scrooge and seeing the fact that people are going through his belongings and just stealing from him after he dies to make a profit. And that tiny Tim dies because he's not capable or he's not willing to do more to help. And knowing like, that, that's how he's going to be remembered. I think he, he struggles with that. And again, a lot of it is set up through past and, and a little bit through present as well. Because without the experience of being reminded of who you once were from past, I don't know if future really lands as well. Well, I was going to say, without him tapping into who that person was in the past, the current Scrooge really, I wouldn't think, gives a crap what other people think of him and his legacy. Yeah. I think that when you revert back to who he was as a human being and a real person and, and with, with friendships and emotions and love and all those things, it taps back into that spark that's in there. And now that's the part that he cares about. It makes him care. So I think the past is what makes him care about the future. Whereas if you just continued presently on, he, he wouldn't really care. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's he, he, like, honestly, people are like, have you know this? Have you know that? He's like, no. So if you think about it, like during the present, when he was talking to like the guys who were asking for charity, he didn't care about any of that. And that's his like, you know, I mean, that would, you would think there would be legacy or whatever to a certain degree. He didn't care about what anybody thought of him. He's like, no, are there no workhouses? Are there no, all that stuff? It's, it's, so I think that without tapping into that spark of the past, I don't think the future matters to him as much, the legacy. But Pat, do you have an answer? Pat, what'd you say? Yeah. I, you know what? I, <laughs> I say the recency bias is the future is just the scariest one. And that's the kind of one that pushes them over the edge. But here you guys talk, this is kind of the duh, but they all serve a purpose, right? Because it's supposed to be a progression when it's, it's like, I find myself like, wow, this one really looked cool doing this, or this was really freaky or the, the ghost of Christmas present was just so different. I, I don't know why that one, I don't know why, but sometimes the ghost of Christmas present just kind of gives me the willies the most. But then again, I'm, I'm focusing in on the ghost itself as opposed to the message. And I'm, I'm going to have to give one of my patented, I'm not going to reject the question, but I'm going to give all the answers. I really think all it's supposed to be a progression, right? It walks him through looking at all aspects of his life. So they all kind of fit together. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's hard. Because I found myself, I'm, I'm ruminating on the question, and it's like, well, this ghost looks the coolest. Well, that's really not the question. This one's the scariest. Well, okay, but that's not necessarily what the question is. It's Right? And so when you look at it, it's like you kind of needed all of them. I think, I think it's interesting that you, find, that you find the ghost of Christmas present the creepiest. Is that what you said? 
I, he, it sticks with me. I mean, okay. the ghost of the future is scary. Yeah. The ghost of Christmas past is just a little bit weird. Cause I don't right? think of the, I don't think of the present one as being creepy at all. I mean, he's like the big Santa Claus looking guy. And he like, I think of him as being yeah. the, I think of the, to me, the one in the past is a little creepy. Cause it's the, especially in this movie, it's like the ghost like girl <laughs> look at, it's like the, the child thing, thing, the weird floaty yeah. child thing, which is always fun in horror movies. And I, that one is kind of like you're, you're, you're scraping off the old layer of paint. Yeah. And then, and then present is the one that's bringing in like all of the, all of the joy. Like, here's what we want to replace it with. Look at all these people having a great time. Look at all these people spending time with family and how they enjoy it and what you could have. And then once you've put the new coat of paint on, then you've got the, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Who's basically like, okay, let me show you some other, just to seal the deal. Let me show you some stuff that if you don't make the changes you've seen, you're going to, you're going to die and it's going to be really terrible. But I, yeah. you, I mean, you, you said that the one for the present seems scary. I don't know that I ever would have thought as the, of the present one seeming scary. I don't know. And, and again, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going between the look yeah. of the ghosts and the message. Right. And for me, the message really, it's, you got to look at all three, Yeah. but I, and even, even in other movies, for some reason, the ghost, of, and I think what it was, is like some, like if there's a ghost that comes in your house, okay, there's a ghost coming in. It's going to be scary. Like that's expected. It's just that when the ghost of Christmas present shows up and when I, when I say ghost, I mean, they're all three ghosts, but you know, it's like the ghost of Christmas future looks freaky. The ghost of Christmas past weird kind of thing. That's kind of what you expect a ghost to look like. But, and, and I've seen it in other versions of this Christmas Carol as well. It's like all of a sudden the ghost of Christmas present, it's just some dude sitting in your house. Unless it's, it's sort of like, unless it's the ghost that visits Ray in his house. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I don't know that's why. A whole I don't other know that Christmas present. That's yeah. that's a whole other Christmas kid. The the ghost of Christmas yet right. to come. Yeah. I, I, oh I, boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying though. Plowing ahead, I'm just saying that that the ghost of Christmas present just gives me the just gives me the creeps. Is, just is it the, the is it the aging thing? Well, yeah, but that's just cool. Cause, cause, because right? doesn't he just doesn't he say like my time grows short? Yeah. Like so then like that that makes you question like who is this ghost that is he, even as a ghost doesn't have an everlasting time. Right. Death for the dead. He didn't read the handbook. No. Got to read the handbook. All right, Bo, do you want to get in the, on this? Are you here? Are you are you okay? Yeah, I'm sort of here. What's yeah. the question we're answering? Do you need a drink? Oh, most definitely. I'll get uh, one in the, another half hour or so. We're, we're on question two. Which ghost do you think had the biggest effect on the Scrooge character? Oh, that's unfair. Not to do a pat, but he's kind of right. Like, you've got to have all three, and so it's got to be... It's got to be past because without the emotional breakthrough of the past, you don't get the catharsis later. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've got to pick one, it's got to be the past because without that, I don't know that the rest of it lands. What about Marley? Don't you think Marley has an effect on him or, or, or do you get this? Oh. He, he kind of laughs it off at that point. I, I think he doesn't believe it enough yet. I think maybe 
full circle at the end, maybe Marley has more impact, but not when he first gets there. Cause I think until those other ghosts show up, he thinks it's a bunch of hooey. You're a bit of undigested beef. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't get ahead of me in question three, Pat. That's Uh-oh. some nasty beef. Let me just say. Oh, question three is what kind of beef would you like to have undigested? What kind of beef would you, anyway. All right. Question three, because we like to talk about food, what is something you know that you shouldn't eat because it'll make it difficult for you to sleep or give you nightmares because of your, because it's an gastro issue. Any foods that you like? I, I I'd love to eat that, but I'm going to bed soon. I I can't. I've never had a problem sleeping, so I. Well, that, <laughs> that's that's true. Can we put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> yeah. Pat says I've never had a problem sleeping. Had podcasts in his sleep, literally. <laughs> But let's just say, without going TMI, my, my gut reaction is, man, I'll tell you, I love me a good bowl of cereal. And sometimes late at night, it's just like, man, I need a bowl of cereal, like just easy. To, and sometimes it's like that bowl turns into four. And then the next morning I wake up and it's like, oh, God, if you get me through the next morning, I'll never eat this many bowls of cereal after midnight again. You know, so I don't want to be TMI, but let's just say that that, that doesn't turn out so well. So dreams. One is a food. One is a dream thing. Cause kind of two questions in one sort of, I think, but maybe not for the foods, anything that's really spicy Mexican food, that type of stuff would give me more like the kind of upset stomachs or type of thing going to bed Mm -hmm. and the gurgling and all that. So do you think that's affected how you dream at night? No, it doesn't affect how I dream. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it might wake me up. It might be like, just, or like make it hard to fall asleep actually is probably more like it. As far as the dreams, I know which one it is. It's not really a food. I mean, it's kind of cherry juice. So if you do the tart cherry juice, you will have crazy dreams, but they're not necessarily nightmares. They can be, but if you, it's got the melatonin in it. So when you, they say that when you take the tart cherry juice, which there was a period where I was like having trouble for some reason, I kept waking up. So I had looked up ways and, and one of them was, was the cherry juice. And if you take too much of it, cause like I'm six, three, I'm like, Oh, I could take a few tablespoons and it tastes pretty good actually. So if you do too much of it, you start to get really whacked out weird, vivid dreams. So I, and that's very true that if I do, if I do an extra tablespoon of it or something, if I'm like going to take some before bed, I will have some crazy dreams with the tart Jerry juice because it has naturally occurring melatonin in it. I am making so, a note of this right now. That sounds yes. like fun. Tart Jerry juice. I had some bizarre, very clear, vivid, weird, just like, whoa. <laughs> and you feel like you can attribute that to the cherry juice? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because I didn't have dreams. Like there was a while. So you're only going to dream when you get into a deep dream state anyway, typically, for the most part. You have to be sleeping for continuous for a number of hours. So for like weeks, months, whatever it was, I just was like waking up every three hours, four hours, and then just a short up and then back to sleep. But you're not getting that deep sleep state. So that's why I kind of looked into it. And I know I, don't, I knew you're not supposed to do melatonin pills because those can kind of like cause other issues or it's not a good thing to get like dependent on those but the natural occurring melatonin and tartar juice i read somewhere and they suggested that that was a good thing to do so 
and natural. So then I tried it and it was like, oh, that was great. I st- and then for the first time I started remembering, yes, I'm having dreams now. Like, wow, I haven't had a dream in a long time that I can remember. And then I was like, this is good. So maybe I'll sleep even better if I take a little bit more. And then it's kind of like that dangerous thing. And if you take a little bit too much, all of a sudden it starts turning into the Willy Wonka boat ride. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts off great the first couple minutes of that boat ride is when you take the actual amount of tart cherry juice and it was like kicking you're like i'm sleeping it's good it's fun it's cool dreams i'm remembering some stuff and then it starts getting like crazy and there's eyeballs and worms and stuff you're, you're holding on to the side of the bed i want to get off now <laughs> no yeah yep so i only caught half of that i admit so tart cherry juice is it's like a concentrate or is this just like yeah, you juice get the concentrate. In a it's like a syrup so you just put it right in spoon and it's like a syrup and it has natural melatonin it has natural sure. melatonin levels for you and basically yeah and if you follow the directions and just take the right amount you'll get probably pretty good sleep after doing it a couple days and then like all of a sudden yeah and then like i pushed it and was like it's good i'll take a couple more and then the next thing you know yeah because I take I'm on I top take, of the roof. I drink cherry juice for another issue, and it's interesting. I have had more dreams lately. Okay, that's weird. Wait, you what? I I have to. I drink cherry juice for a different, for a health issue, yeah. sort of. And I have dreamt more lately, and and that's weird. There you go. <laughs> I'm there weirded out by this. Yep, that's so bizarre. Because when I was a kid, I used to get dreams all the time because you're out and you're like in la-la land for like 12 hours sure. you know, because somebody wakes you up. And then as you get older and you got to pay bills and you got this and you got that and you got a cat waking you up every day, and all of a sudden, like, you're, 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 not, you're not getting the sound sleep in that deep cycle. So I clearly remember, like, not having a dream for a long time. Like, it was like I wasn't remembering any dreams. I used to wake up and have good movie dreams and then, like, want to pencil it down on the, on the pad on the side of the bed. I'm like, I've had nothing, man. It's been a desert basically and then all of a sudden that yeah dreams came back so i clearly remember them it working it's not like anecdotal it was like in, in my case where it was like i clearly remember like oh my god i'm taking tart cherry juice and now i'm dreaming it was like that and i slept through the night so it was good it got to be where i don't actually have to do it all the time i don't take it every night or anything really unless like a lot of stress is going on or something but i'm actually back to where i kind of will dream normal dreams on my own pat you're in it but Oh, Pat's and everybody. Yeah, I know. I'm in my own dreams. I, it's funny. I have never had dreams based on food. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've never. Now, I have dreams, like, based on where I sleep. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, Dennis, you could probably even ex- explain better, like, the different physiology behind when you're dreaming and when you're in dream sleep and REM sleep and all that kind of stuff. But, like, depending on where I sleep, I'll have a deep sleep or dreams and all that kind of stuff. But it's never, I've never had food affected. Yeah. So when you fall asleep standing up, do you dream you're a horse? <laughs> or during podcast? I, no, man. No, I usually don't dream. Cause like oh. if, I'm, if it's a podcast, I'm, I fall asleep in a chair. And if I stand up, I'm usually leaning against a wall. Okay. You know, if I'm not leaning against anything, I'm going to hit the ground pretty quick. So. All right. Yeah. My dreams are me and you running on clouds. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, dream weaver. Mm-hmm. I you can get me through the night. 
just keep getting further and further away. Oh man! <laughs> All right, so John, what what We're John, what foods do you avoid through. before bed? You're wearing, well, you're, you're, you're wearing a glittery smock, Dennis, in my dream of you running. This is going way off the rails. <laughs> what do Richard I, what should I, well, the better question is what should I avoid? Because what should you avoid? <laughs> your, your, your alcohol mixed with alcohol. That I should probably avoid. So I won't have more than one of these. Otherwise I will not sleep well. And uh, let's, let's just do the uh, general category of chicken curries. Mm. Yeah. Chicken curries. They taste so good, but the sleep so bad. <laughs> so, so what if you have chicken my curries for don't eat bananas. Don't eat bananas before bed. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I don't know if there's anything to that, but I remember them telling us that. Maybe they just didn't want us to have bananas. That's also true. I would have to go with a, a rich tomato sauce. So mm-hmm. and so like on on pasta, if I have too much pasta for dinner, the tomato sauce will stick with me for a while, and and that will make it difficult for me to sleep. It won't wake me up, but it won't allow me to fall asleep deeply either. So it's a very weird in between state in which then some strange, slight possible dreams start to happen. Some of those are like you wake up, you're like, was that? Did that really? What am I, am I sleeping now? What, what is going on? So I try to avoid rich, rich spice, spice filled foods. I won't say spicy foods, although I try to avoid spicy foods too, but spice filled foods tend to, to mess with me a little bit. That's a spicy meatball. There you go. Well, that's it, guys. That's all I got. Hey, as far as your question number two, a few things popped into my head. I don't know if anybody mentioned. You guys mentioned Moby Dick. That's question one. Yeah, I know. Well, question one. Sorry, question one. There she blows. Then I thought the <laughs> it's other Moby one Dick. Either <gasps> what one you call the, me? <laughs> either one of the classic monster ones of like Shelley, Shelley's Frankenstein or Dracula. One of those two would be good. And then what was the third one I had? It hold on. It was. Drink some cherry juice, you'll remember. I know, I'll dream it. It'll be like, okay, oh, you Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry. Huckleberry. I said Tom Sawyer. You did, Tom Sawyer. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Those are the three that kind of popped in later, so yeah. Oh, you know what I just thought of? Sherlock I, I feel I'm going back, and I'm just saying, I had to look it up, because when you told me they did The Wizard of Oz, I completely forgot about that movie, and I've never seen them up. It's Wizard of Oz. And I forgot that Queen Latifah was in it. Went and I was like, "What year was that? And what the hell was going on in my life that I did not even? I was not aware that they did Wizard of Oz. I've never seen it. What was going on in your life? I don't know. Right. What year? That's was a that? different podcast. Mm-hmm. Muppets was. I'm looking at the year. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw out. You should also have a Muppet Sherlock Holmes. Two thousand. Oh, that'd be rad. Oh, do that. Two thousand and five. I switched jobs. I went to Middle North. My kids now were two, three, four years old, so I was up to, like, whatever with that. I was coaching three sports to make ends meet. And what else? And then we bought a house, like, a couple years before that, but there was fixing up still going on that. So, so yeah, I was just probably crazy, but I'm surprised that I didn't watch that with the kids or something. Interesting. We could do Julie and Julia with the Swedish chef. For me, 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 for
feel any better, Dennis. I didn't have any of that stuff going on, and I didn't know about the Wizard of Oz. See? See? Was it good? For those of you who saw it, was it a good movie, The Wizard of Oz? I, don't I never know. saw it. So you never saw So, yeah. Okay. I, I saw it once a long time ago, and I don't remember ever wanting to see it again. And you never remembered wanting to see it again? Yeah. Okay. Even all as right. a kid, so I was like, yeah, that was all right. I felt like when when that and, and Treasure Island came along, and then Christmas Carol for a while, too, was like they stopped being original. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's no, the, the Muppets are. And at, the, at that age, I couldn't articulate that. But I just felt like this wasn't what the Muppets do. The Muppets don't tell a different story. They, they tell their own story. Yeah. You know, you, you get the Muppet movie. You get Great Muppet Caper. You get Muppets Take Manhattan. You have the TV show, right? You have some, you have Muppet Family Christmas, their own original stories that they're telling. So that when they started doing some of these rehashes on classic literature, when I was younger, I was like, eh, that's not what the Muppets do. So I didn't really watch Muppet Christmas Carol until probably 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, I actually was in a coloring life newspapers coloring contest for the great Muppet caper. And I actually won something. They I don't know if it was like more of a lottery thing or they singled out winners or whatever it was, but I remember I remember I won the uh, the actual vinyl album for the great Muppet caper. Oh. I do have my I'm looking at it right now across my my man cave behind my bar. I've got my Muppet classes on display from McDonald's. A couple from the Great Muppet Caper. I don't know if you guys ever collected those or not or saw those. I know this is not this is not the Muppet movie. I'm throwing in a fourth question. If you could just if anything pops out at you really quick, but from the original TV show, what was your favorite musical guest appearance on the Muppets? I'm leaving this conversation. <laughs> I'm gonna go just get one some that pops in your head. So when I say original TV show, what song or guest, music, musical guest, or guest, I guess in general, but musical guest is what I'm thinking. Pops in your head when you say the original. I got an easy one. Harry Belafonte. Yeah. Love that one, man. That is like, we, we've watched that. We danced that thing when the kids were little, the whole spin the world around song and Deo on the boat. Oh, man. Crystal Gale was a second one where she has, I think it was a Crystal Gale where she's doing the, was the the ship? It's a real kind of mysterious song. They're kind of floating around like ghosts and spirits. That was a good one too. But those are my uh, top three. Moments. Steve Martin, Elton John, Madeline Kahn. I mean, God, there's so many great guests. I said, I said guest one. Hosts. Yeah. What about you? That's just add some dark cherry juice. I just had some dark cherry juice. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. Like, no, because this isn't, I don't know, man. This isn't probably, I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question on a tangent. Favorite guest or favorite musical guest you're saying? I was saying more musical numbers. Yeah. Like Muppet guest or musical guest. I'll say anytime Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem perform. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. I mean, I know they're not the guests, but I got like, if you ask me who my favorite guest on the Tonight Show was or favorite group on the Tonight Show, I'd always say like, just hear Doc and the Tonight Show band. I always go for the house band. I just, I just, I like Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. 
Okay, here you go. Here you go. The Buddy Rich Animal Drum Battle. Bam. Done. Dropping the microphone. Oh, there it is. Well played. I'm just saying, Pat just won the podcast. No, there's been a lot of moments that you could have won the podcast, but I'm saying that one was good. That one was pretty incredible. I'm going to go with the cast of Star Wars because I think they sang a song when they were on there. Did they? I don't remember what it was, but they had a musical number. They also had a musical number in their Christmas special. Yeah, we don't talk about that. It was super special. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for Muppet Christmas Carol. So thank you, everybody, (laughs) for... Being with us through 1992, this is our last episode of 92, moving on next week into 93, where we're going to start off with a bang. We've got Jurassic Park as our first episode of 93. Episode so, 450, right? It is episode number 450. So, Heavens to Betsy. Marching on ahead. We're, we're going to catch up with you, Nerdist Podcast. Nerdist Podcast doesn't exist anymore. I know. So we are actually gaining on them. Perfect. I'm saying there's a chance. Although it is like ID10T podcast and they picked up where Nerdist left off. So technically it's still all the same. So they're still adding on episodes. That's like calling Action Comics <laughs> volume two. It's no, it's you can't just reset. No, Mm-mm. it's different volume. You start. The Let's numbers. just start over with brand new number ones for everything. We'll do that. We'll have the 30 something movie podcast, new 52. It'll be number ones all around. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. We'll see, we'll see how many actually stick around. Yeah. I, well, there's three people, including one or two of us, that know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we get we get real niche with some of our references here. A little bit. It's just a little, little bit. A little bit. Yes. So coming up in January, we've got Jurassic Park is our first one. We've got Matinee, Free Willy, and Dragon the Bruce Lee story. If you are <laughs> one of our Patreon co-executive producers, or if you are not yet, you can be. And if you are, then you will also in January get The Outsiders from 1983 as our full-length Patreon episode. Our Patreon shorts will be Mr. Mom from 83 and a rundown of favorite movies from 2022. Somehow I'm going to magically try to keep that to about 15 minutes. It's not going to happen. And then in February, we've got Dave searching for Bobby Fischer, Benny and June, and Carlito's Way are coming up. Our Patreon for February is going to be favorite love songs of the 80s and 90s, and the Patreon shorts. I have some ideas, but I'm not sure quite yet what the shorts will be, so we'll go from there. But that's what we got coming up, so thank you, gents, for joining me for another year, and then we'll be back next week to start off a new year. That sounds fantastic. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you, John. Good to see Jeff again, and thanks for the questions, and thanks for the... uh, Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for playing along, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. hopefully I'll be, I'll see you guys more throughout throughout this next year. Definitely. Yeah. All right, everybody, be excellent with each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time. <laughs>